Of God, appreciate what the Lord did on Thursday night and the service and the meeting with us, encouraging my heart, reminding me there's another side. I'm glad for that. Thank the Lord for it. I'm glad for what the Lord has already done in the service this morning and stirring in my heart. And Brother Tim said about this song, I got the hymnal and got it open again. It says it was copyrighted 1941. I'm sure it was written long before then by Miller and Avon. But it really sounds to me like the Apostle John wrote the whole song. And not just, and I'm not trying to add anything to what he said already, not just what we studied this morning in the Sunday school hour, but the whole song. I, uh, I've said many times as your pastor and, and challenge you, to listen to the words or think about the words while we're singing and often I don't do it either. And uh, there's some pieces of this that I've thought about and made mention of about how we love Him deep down in our heart and that that's a love that only He can provide and He gives for us and to us. But I really hadn't thought a whole lot about uh, some of the words of the verses until this morning, the second time that we sung it, all over again. I'm glad we did sing the whole song all over again. Verse 1 says, I love the blessed Savior divine. He brightens up this pathway of mine. I'm glad He does. I'm glad He has. And I'm glad He continues to do so. It, it reads past and present. Brought us out of darkness is what Paul said and put us in the light. But it reads like what John said in John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, if we walk in the light as He's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all unrighteousness. Sounds like it to me, don't it you? He brightens up this pathway of mine. I'll follow wheresoever He leads. My soul each day He tenderly feeds. Thank God. He's leading us in the light. It's the only way He'll ever lead you. Now your flesh will lead you opposite the light. The flesh desires to dwell in the darkness. That's why Jesus said in John's Gospel that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But everyone that doeth good cometh to the light. That it's the nature of the man born in you to want to be in the light and dwell in the light. And that one born in you is not comfortable at doing anything in the dark. You know, people say that uh, uh, things done in the darkness, but the people of God ought never be comfortable doing anything in the darkness. The flesh is comfortable in the dark. Sin is comfortable in the dark. But the flesh is not comfortable in the light, but the inner man that's been regene that was talked about this morning, regenerated, that he's never comfortable in the dark. He wants to dwell in the light because he's born of God. That's right. That's what the Scriptures say. Verse 2 says, From day to day, he's leading me on to that bright land of beautiful dawn. Now, there, there can be, I think, it's just my opinion, it's not, Scripture, this song's not Scripture, so I guess you can take it however the Lord speaks to your heart from it. 
Verse 1 speaks of present from His dear side. I'm glad you can't leave somebody who will never leave you. I'm glad for that. But verse number 2, I think when he when the songwriter wrote from his dear side out, that's speaking about in the land to come. I'm glad we'll never depart. And two, I learn more of what I shall see when I have crossed life's mystical sea. That's when we get over yonder. Verse three, such boundless, precious, glorious love, the Savior sends from heaven above. In this, perceive we, it's in there, we didn't get to it this morning, we're going to get to it here by perceive we the love of God. That he spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. I'm glad. Such boundless, precious, glorious love. Save your sins from heaven above. That's right. Hereby know we the love of God. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And gave his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And when you experience that, the last part of verse number three, it fills my soul with wonderful joy. Drives away the things that annoy I love the Lord deep down in my heart. I'm glad I do. I'm glad I'm here this morning. I'm glad you're here. And uh, I need to be in the house of God this morning. I want to be in the house of God this morning. And I, I, I need help just like you do. And I've been helped already. And desire to have more help. And to trust that the Lord will help us together. And I certainly need Him. I need your prayers this morning. The book of Job. Chapter number 1, if you have a copy of the Word of God. Job chapter number 1. The Lord knew and knows about everything. He knew about Sunday school hour, about the songs we would sing. And uh, this has been on my heart since last night. And it will fit right in, I believe, if the Lord will help us with everything that's already went on in the service this morning. And I don't have anything really planned or programmed. I'm just going to try my best to follow the Lord. i got several verses I'm going to read this morning. And I want to get to one. And that's my hope to get there by the help of God. We'll just try to follow His leadership as He gives it this morning. Job chapter 1, when you found your place, if you're able... Willing to do so, let's stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to read all of chapter 1, part of chapter 2. I'll read as quick as I can, but I don't want to uh, fast forward through anything the Lord wants this morning. Job chapter 1 and verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was perfect and upright, one that feared God, and eschewed evil. There were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was seven thousand sheep, and three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen, and five hundred she-asses, and a very great household. So that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, 
and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. There was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. There came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them, took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and hath consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. Behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose, and rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, from walking up and down in it. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movedest me against him 
to destroy him without cause. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, smote Job with, uh, with sore balls from the sole of his foot under his crown. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself with all, and he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? Shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. Thank you. You can be seated. I thought about these verses and this story about this man by the name of Job. Certainly we've all heard this story read and taught on and preached on probably numerous times. And I think that there are some things that we find out about Job in this Scripture. There are some things that we're told about Job from the beginning. We learn some things about this man. I'm interested this morning to get to verse number 20. It's where my heart is. And if the Lord will help me, I'll try to make my way toward that Scripture where the Bible said that Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. That's where I want to be this morning. Because I believe that in verse number 20, we find out something not about Job, but we find out something about God in verse number 20. But there are some things we find out about Job that I feel like I need to say this morning. Number one, in verse number one of the very first chapter, we find out that Job feared God. The Bible said that he was a perfect and an upright man, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Or he stayed away from or despised or hated or went in the opposite direction of anything that was called evil. And so we're told in the scripture uh, that in the very words of God that Job feared God. In verse number two, we find out about Job's family, that Job had seven sons and three daughters. So ten children are born unto Job. We find out that Job had a big family. Of course, we know and understand in those days it was not uncommon to have this many children, but the Bible's very specific. Uh, many times in the Scripture we read about uh, people in the Word of God and maybe we're only told about one child, one son, one daughter, and then it would say that they begat other sons and daughters many times in the Scripture. We're not told an accurate number or a specific number, but the Lord had thought it reasonable to put in the Scripture and to tell us about Job's family, that he had seven sons and three daughters. 
In verse number 3, we find out about Job's finances. That Job had a lot in this life. That he had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household. And this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. But the thing I want you to know this morning about Job's finances is not how much he had, but how little effect his finances had on his spiritual life. Job never let his finances get in the way of his worship. God never let him, Job never let his finances take the place of God or move in the place of God or hinder his relationship with God. Job did not. The Bible never records that Job took inventory. God took inventory of all that Job had and records for us everything that belonged to Job. But Job never let his finances hinder his relationship with God. The Bible never says that it is a sin or a wrong to have good things or even many things in this life. The Scripture does not say that money is the root of all evil, but it is the love of money that's the root of all evil. And in this day, many people are hampered and hindered by their things in their spiritual lives because they dwell too much and put too much emphasis and too much stock in what they have. Job didn't let his finances stand in the way of God. The Bible says that if I read the Scripture, and I'm just giving you what the Lord, this is what He put on my heart, we find out that Job is a good father. The Bible said that he made sacrifice every day for all his children just in case they had done something displeasing in the sight of God. Sounds to me like Job is a good father. I'm sure Job was not a hypocritical father. I'm sure Job did not just do this once a week or he was not just a a perfect man. I mean, the Lord called him perfect and upright, fearing God and eschewing it. This is not a Sunday morning only kind of relationship that Job had with God and that relationship with God made him the father that he was to his children. Job was a good father. But Job was also faithful. The words I have them underlined in my Bible in verse number 5. It says, thus did Job continually. Job was faithful. Now, I thought about that and that's just how the Lord gave it to me. And I, I don't know how long I'll be this morning. I may not preach very long at all. But I need to give you what's on my heart. In those five verses, we find out a whole lot of things, good things, about Job. But in one verse, now there's a lot of other verses. I'm not saying this morning that verse number 20 is the only verse in the whole book. I mean, it's a lengthy book, many chapters, many verses. But verse number 20, we find out the one thing that we need to know about God. The book of Job is not a book about Job. But the book of Job is a book about God. 
Too often we preach and we read and we study and we emphasize everything that Job did or did not do. Thank God that we can say or that it's recorded in the word of God that Job sinned not in verse 22 and he did not charge God foolishly. And in verse number 10, he did not sin with his lips and we focus a lot of times on what Job did and Job did not do. But the reason why Job did or did not do what Job did or did not do is because of who God was, not because of who Job was. And here's what's on my heart this morning. If I can't get anything else out, I want to give you this. The Bible said that all... Now, put yourself in Job's shoes. And I'm not trying to magnify Job and I don't want the emphasis to be on Job. My heart is that the emphasis to be on God this morning. But we must look at Job to get God in His right perspective in the Scripture. Put yourself in Job's shoes. He's doing all that he's doing. He's faithful. He's a good father. He's not letting his finances get in the way. He fears God. All of these things are recorded about him. And then the Bible said this conversation between God and Satan and Satan that did not bring up Job. God brought up. God recommended Job to Satan. What a testimony. That when Satan came and the Lord said, where have you been? The Lord didn't ask him that because he didn't know. He asked him that to make him give an account of himself unto God. The Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? That there's none like him in all the earth. That's what God said. Satan said, well, you've got a hedge about him. Why wouldn't a man serve you if you took care of him the way you've taken care of Job? Take away all he has and see if he serves you then. And the Lord said, do whatever you want. Just don't touch him. And the Bible said there came a day that Job, his children are doing what they're all... The, what, the reason the Scripture reads it... The way the Lord's put it on my heart. Verse number 13 says, There was a day when his sons and daughters were eating, drinking wine in their eldest brother's house and there came a messenger unto Job based upon what was already previously recorded in the Scripture. What we're to take away from that verse is this was just like any other day. Nothing out of ordinary about this day. The sons and daughters are doing what they do every day. Job is doing what he does every day. But there comes a messenger. He says the oxen and the asses are gone and all the servants that were with them are dead and I've come to tell you. And we read the story of Job and we recall the story of Job and we play it out in our mind or I say we, I oftentimes play it out in my mind like it was one bad day after another but the Bible said while he was yet speaking he didn't even get done giving the news and another has come to the door and said, Job, I got bad news to tell you. He said, not only are the oxen and the asses and those servants gone and dead. He said, but I was with the sheep and the fire of God has fell and consumed them and the servants are dead and I alone am escaped to tell you. And while he's speaking, another comes and says, sorry to bring more bad news. But he said, the camels, the Chaldeans came and they're gone and all the servants are dead. Now can you imagine having everything you have in tangible form, in materialistic form, taken away in less than a day? But it didn't stop there. While he's yet speaking, 
Job's already been told all of his oxen are gone. All of his asses are gone. All his camels are gone. All his sheep are gone. And all his servants, except for four, are gone. And there comes another servant. And he says, I got bad news. He said, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking in their eldest brother's house like they do every day. And he said, the wind come and smote the corners of the house. And it fell on the house. And they're all dead. And he said, I'm come alone. I've escaped alone to tell you. So Job has lost his finances. Job has lost his family. All that he has left is his wife. And she's going to turn on him somewhat in chapter number 2. And we're really hard on Job's wife. But can you imagine the grief that she was going through? And the Bible said that Job arose after he gets this, these words about all of his stuff and all of his ten children. They're all gone. And Job gets up and he rents his mantle and he shaves his head and he falls down to the ground. And the Bible says he worships. And God got to stirring in my heart last night. And all I could hear in my mind and in my heart was Brother Terry Pace standing in this pulpit saying when we worship God, it's about who He is, not about what He's done. What Job did in verse number 20 is he testified to the fact that despite he has no camels and he has no oxen and he has no asses and he has no sheep and he has no children, he testifies to the fact that God has not changed in spite of all of that. And so because God has not... Job is not doing anything based on what God has done or what God has not done. Job is doing something based on who God is. And Job says God's the same today when I have nothing as He was yesterday when I had everything. And so he says I'm going to worship. I'm going to shave my head, rent my mantle. He said though I'm grieving. That was a sign of mourning. That was a sign of grief. As a matter of fact, in the end of the chapter, I didn't read it. In verse 13, his so-called friends come and they sit down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights and they don't even know what to say for they saw that his grief was very great. It's almost like when we preach about the worship of Job, the attitude of Job, we preach him like he's some superhuman, but Job's still dealing with grief. And Job still has questions. And Job still does not understand. As a matter of fact, it'll be Job that says, if I could find him, I'd bring my case before him. I'd tell him I don't understand. I'd tell him this is not right. But in all these things, he still testified that God has not changed it'll be Job that'll say though he slays me yet will I trust him It'll be Job that says there's hope of a tree though it be cut off yet through the sin of water it can bud again and bring forth bones like a plant. I'm telling you there's hope in God. Despite our trouble, 
And despite our circumstances, and despite how bad it is, there's hope in God. He never changes. You may be in a storm this morning, or you may be going through the hardest day of your life, but it never changes who God is. He's still worthy to be worshipped. He's still all-powerful. He's still in control. He still cares about you, and He loves you, and He's doing what He's doing for your good, and His glory, and He's still the same. And I have prayed, and I told the Lord I didn't want to say anything. They didn't want me to. I'm not. I don't want to stir nobody's emotions. It ain't about your emotions this morning. It's about the inner man being strengthened and being fed from above, and the fact that God's still God. Uh, the Bible said uh, that He's the same yesterday and a day and forever. And that's what Job's testifying about. He's testifying that yesterday He was God, and I worshipped Him yesterday when I had all my livestock and I had all my children and I had my health and my wife was with me. And He said, but today. But things are different than they were yesterday. But he said God's still the same God today as he was yesterday. And the writer of the song said God's still good when the waves roll high. God's still good all through the night. When I don't understand and I can't stand, God's still good. And I thought last night or yesterday evening about 4 o'clock or so, I got a text to pray. I'm just being, I'm following the Lord this morning. That's what's on my heart. I got a text to pray. Didn't know all the details. I had no idea. I knew part of the family. But I didn't know which part of the family was involved. I just got a text. Said there's a family that's related to a family in Brother Ken Jenkins' church that's had a tragic accident and we need y'all to pray. That's all I knew. Then about 15 minutes later, I found out who the family was and I found out what had went on. And I mean, it's horrible, horrible. I mean, a little 18-month-old girl, she went out into eternity. She went to meet the Lord. She's with the Lord. Everything's all right with her. But just a tragic accident. And I found myself, and I'm just preaching, I'm not necessarily wanting to bring that up for the situation or to get your sympathy or your emotions stirred. I'm going to be honest and confess to you this morning because we need to sometimes. And I thought about it, and so I began to pray. I said, Lord, I'm just going to tell you how I prayed. I said, Lord, you've got to make this be okay. You've got to make her be okay. I said, Lord, if she's not okay, her dad will never be able to live with himself. I mean, if I was here, you can't let this happen, God. And then about an hour later, I got word that she had passed on and that she was with the Lord. And I thought, Lord, and this is what I said. I went in a, I'm just going to be honest because the Lord's telling me to. I went in the bathroom at our house and I closed the door behind me. And I said, Lord, if that was me, I don't know how I'd ever make it. Lord, if that was me, I don't know how I'd ever live. I said, I don't know how he's going to make it, Lord. I don't know how he's going to live. And there's a voice from another world that spoke down in my soul. And he said, I'm still the same. I'm still the same. And I can't begin to even imagine what that family's going through. And they need you to pray for them and hold them up to God. As somebody said we need to pray I, I responded and I said oh yeah God's grace is sufficient they're going to need every bit of it that he's willing to give to them in the days ahead but I'm telling you in spite of everything that went on he's still God and he's still able to take care and I don't 
understand why. And they don't understand why. And Job said he didn't understand why. But he said he was God enough and that he is going to trust him. And whether I understand or not is irrelevant in the light of the fact that he's God. And whether I can put all the pieces together are irrelevant. He's God. And whether I can give you an explanation or not, it's irrelevant. He's God. And so we trust him because he's God. And we worship him because he's God. And we serve him because he's God. And not because things are good. And not because money's in the bank. And not because we have health. And not because our family's intact. But because he's God. And you can't worship him for any other reason except the fact that he's God. I was on the way to church this morning and I, I mean, I'll let you have my Bible. I don't have nothing wrote down except them few things that I said about Job. Nothing else would come. Nothing else would come together. And God knew why. I'd make a mess of it. I'd try to make it go my way. And God didn't want me to do that. He's been speaking to my heart and I'm glad. I was on my way to church this morning and the Lord spoke to my heart and He said, you pray based on circumstances and you praise based on circumstances about 95 or more percent of the time. We praise based on circumstances 100 percent of the time. But if we were honest, most of the time, probably more than 95 percent of the time, we pray based on circumstances. Me and the people of God never pray unless something goes wrong. Me and the people of God never pray unless there's a great need in their life. And so our prayer and our praise is circumstantial. But I'm going to promise you whether I can give you the statistics accurately about your praise or about your prayer, I can scripturally, biblically give you the statistics about your worship. It is circumstantial zero percent of the time because it's not about how good or bad we have it. It's not about what we have or don't have. It's not about whether we understand or we don't. About 100% of the time, your worship will be about God and who He is. And He's God 100% of the time. And He's worthy to be worshipped 100% of the time. Whether I understand it or not, He's worshipped and worthy to be worshipped. Whether I can tell you why or not, He's worthy to be worshipped because He's God. And that's what Job testified to. Job never denied. Job was not some superhuman, and it did nowhere in the scripture. Matter of fact, to the contrary, we preach Job like he's some hard-hearted, stale, stagnant, cold man that doesn't care about his family. That's nowhere in the scripture. On the contrary. We can't preach the book of Job, the story of Job, like what happened to Job never affected Job. It affected him throughout the rest of his life. But one thing that did not get affected was Job's worship. I believe Job got up and he said if today was just like yesterday, he said I would have got up and I would have went and worshipped. He said today may not be like yesterday. But God today is just like He was yesterday. And so He said, I'm going to worship. 
He said, yesterday, I might have had on my church clothes. Yesterday, I might have had on my Sunday best. Yesterday, I might have just went up to the house of God and worshiped. He said, today, I've ripped my mantle. Today, I've shaved my hair and my beard. Today, I'm sitting in ashes. But he said, I'm still worshiping. I'm the same God in the ashes that I worshiped at the altar. I'm telling you this morning, thank God, we can worship in the ashes just as much as we can at the altar. We can worship in in the downtime as much as we can in the uptime. We can worship as much in the valley as we can on the mountain. And if the truth be known, we'll probably worship more in the ashes than we do at the altar. We'll probably worship more in the down than we will in the earth. More in the valley than we will on the mountain. We spend a lot of time praising on the mountain and a lot of time praising at the altar and a lot of time praising on the uptimes. Oh, that's fine and well. He's worthy to be praised. But above praise He's worthy to be worshipped. Job's wife said, come by. And she was, and we're hard on her, but if you would be honest, we would probably, more, more of us would be like her than would be like Job. And if you look up the word worship, Go home if you don't believe me. Look up the word worship in the Hebrew and it means to submit oneself to the authority of another. You know what Job did when he worshiped? He acknowledged that God was God and that he was in control. Matter of fact, if you really, I'll tell you one thing that did stir in my heart is God said what you preached last Sunday is a Lincoln again of what you're preaching this morning. If we'll submit ourselves to God, that's how we resist the devil and that's how we draw nigh to God. Job was in the place he was doing what he was doing because God was who he was, but because Job had submitted himself to the authority of God and he was close enough to God that he didn't lose sight of who God was in spite of all the things that were going on around him. Job's wife comes and said, Are you really going to retain your integrity? Are you going to worship like you are? Are you going to act like you're the same man you were yesterday? And I, it ain't in there, but it's in there. Job said, I may not be the same man I was yesterday. And I may not have the same feelings I had yesterday. He said, but it ain't about me. He said, God's the same God today as He was yesterday. And he said... You speak like a foolish woman. She said, curse God and die. Ain't that the best thing, Job, just to curse Him and die? He said, you speak like a foolish woman. We don't talk like that around here is what Job said. He said, naked came I in the world, and naked I'll return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now I want you to take notice of that and I'm done this morning. It said he, char- he did not charge God foolishly. God is not offended. God knows your frame is what David said, even that we're dust. God knows you're not going to understand. God knows you're going to ask why. And God's not offended by that. And don't let any other, and I'm not the greatest authority, but the Holy Ghost is a touch in my heart, so I've got to say it. 
Don't you believe these preachers that say that it's a sin for you to not understand or it's a sin for you to ask God why? If that's so, we better cut out some places in the Bible where some folks who were near and dear to the heart of God didn't understand and ask God why. There's nowhere all through the book of Job you'll find Job in some form or another trying to figure out why this has happened. But the foolish part is when you demand God to answer. Job said, I don't understand. And he said, I may never understand. That's what Job was saying when he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He knoweth the way I take. And when he's tried me, I'll come forth as gold, is what Job said. Job said, I probably never know why. And he said, if that is his will, that'll be okay. But I'm going to worship him anyway. And the best I could stand, I'm not saying that I'm the authority on it. There may be in there and I just couldn't find it. But I believe based on the leadership of the Spirit of God, the only other person in all the Word of God that I found that it specifically says they worshipped in spite of their circumstances was that Syrophoenician woman when she came to the Lord. And he wouldn't hear and he called her a dog and she worshipped him anyway. She said... And that's what Brother Pace preached about. He said, worthy whether or not you do what I do, what I need. She said, it doesn't change the fact you're worthy to be worshipped. And that's what Job's saying. Whether or not I understand, whether or not you ever let me in on your plan, whether or not I ever see the light of day in the darkness of my life again is irrelevant to the fact that you're worthy to be worshipped. I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm not belittling by, by any means What went on yesterday affected me more than anything in a long time. I'm talking about not just my emotions, but in my spirit. I can remember one other time in my my life since I've been saved, and especially since I've been preaching and pastoring, that I was affected in my spirit the way that I was yesterday when I got that news. I'm going to tell you something. God's still God. And I don't understand. And I'm not going to stand up here and act super spiritual and tough and tell you that it's not affected me and that I understand. I don't understand. But I am going to tell you this. He's the same God today as He was yesterday. And He was the same God yesterday as He was the day before. And His grace is sufficient. Regardless of what we go through, regardless of what we face, His grace is sufficient. And I believe that And I know there are other verses, but I believe that we find out the whole reason for the whole book of the book of Job in Job chapter 1 and verse number 20 where the Bible said He worshipped. I don't know if you write in your Bible, but if I did, it would be good, I think, for you to underline that word that He worshipped. He worshipped. Matters not about circumstances. Matters not about anything else. He was still God and He was still in control. I'm going to tell you, I don't know what you're facing now, what you have faced, or maybe what you'll face tomorrow, but I'm going to tell you this morning, regardless of what it is, He'll still be God. And He'll still take care of you. And He'll still love you and aid you through it all. I'm glad to know that this morning. Lord, I thank You this morning for the privilege and the opportunity to be able to be in your house this morning with your people. Lord, I've tried my best to follow your direction.
and your leadership and your guidance concerning the service today and the message that you 